Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Central Church of Christ podcast. We exist to be a community that seeks God and serves people. We're so glad that you've joined us today. And now, let's get back to the podcast. In Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, he, uh, he speaks of something that he wrote to them in the past. It seems like Paul has actually exchanged a lot of uh, letters and conversation with this church, partly because they have this reputation for not listening to him the first time. And in chapter 7, Paul actually talks about a letter that he wrote that caused them to be very deeply sad, to be grieved. And normally, let's just say that I wrote an email to you, and it really upset you. It really bothered you that I wrote this email. One way we could look at this is, I'm in the wrong. I shouldn't have written an email to you like that, that brought you to the point of tears. On the other hand, there is potentially an email that I could write you that does bring tears, that also brings something good to your life. And this is the kind of example that Paul gives us in 2 Corinthians 7. This is what he says in verse 9. Now I rejoice... Not because you were made sad. Not because you were made sad, but because you were made sad to the point of repentance. For you were made sad as God intended. So that you were not harmed in any way by us. So Paul and his fellow apostles. Verse 10. For sadness as intended by God produces a repentance that leads to salvation leaving no regret, but worldly sadness brings about death. We're still in our series on the Psalms. This is our third week, and we just read, thank you, Mom, uh, for reading Psalm 69. And this particular psalm is what we call a psalm of lament. And a few weeks ago, actually over a month ago, we talked about lament versus complaining. There is definitely a difference, and lament is this holy thing that we do, we engage in, when we look at the world around us and we see that there are so many problems with it. There are so many things going the wrong way to the point that it grieves us, and we invite God into that grief. This morning, I want to take a little bit of a different spin on things in Psalm 69. So, in this psalm, we get the perspective of King David, who is clearly talking about how his enemies mock him, they surround him, they're making his life utterly miserable. That's really the gist of this psalm. David is inviting God into this moment where he's talking about how the people that are surrounding him are making his life truly awful. They mock him, they betray him, they exhaust him. This is the kind of God that wants to be involved in these problems. But the different spin I want to take on this this morning requires us to do a little bit of thinking, a little bit of imagination, if you will. So imagine with me for a second 
that we are not David in this psalm. I want you instead to imagine that you are one of the people that is making David's life miserable. For example, my own brothers treat me like a stranger. They act as if I were a foreigner. David endures the insults of those who insult God. I want you to imagine, instead of imagining yourself as David in this psalm, like everybody's out to get me, what if, what if there's the slight possibility that I or we are making somebody's life incredibly more difficult? It's not the way we typically read the Psalms. When we read the Psalms, we typically read them in the first person. Whenever the Psalms say, I, for example, I put myself in that position. I'm very accustomed to identifying with the protagonist of scripture stories, of the Psalms, you name it. But one of the things I'm not used to, and maybe I don't know about you, but at least me, I'm not used to identifying with, wait a second, what if I'm the person that is making somebody else's life miserable? How then do I lament in light of that? How do I grieve in light of that? You see, we, we live in such a time where we're constantly being reminded, like, you're the hero of the story. We're always, that's reinforced left and right. You can't really go anywhere where somebody's not trying to encourage you that you're always the hero of the story, but I just I have to be honest with you. Sometimes I'm not the hero of the story. I don't know about you. Sometimes I identify a little bit more with the people that are making David's life terrible. Do you? Are there moments where you're like, I would love to say that I'm the victim here, but actually I'm the person that's making this person's life harder? Think about that for a second. Is there a slight possibility that sometimes, and this is why I read the 2 Corinthians thing, chapter 7. Because sometimes... We have to bring sad news in order to get to the good news. There's always good news. Sometimes we have to embrace reality. But what if, what if I can't always read myself as the hero of the story? And even King David, definitely not always the hero. I know this is a different way of reading. I know this is a different way of coming to the Bible. I'm not asking you to do this every time and to be suspicious like, well, I must be the bad guy again. That's not always true. But every once in a while, I think there's a healthy dose of reading the Bible and saying, I'm in the wrong here. 
And I wanted to just share a story with you because I've kind of referenced it before, but I wanted to give you another angle on it. A few years ago, Kayla and I, when we were first married, in the first year of our marriage, we packed up everything we had, put most of it in a storage unit, and decided to join a traveling ministry. It seemed like the perfect opportunity for us because it blended her gifts and my gifts, and it was like, you can't really do better than this. And within two months of taking that role, we were packing up the very few things we had and moving back in with my mom because we had nowhere else to live. Within two months. Doesn't sound like much of a success story. And for a long time, I viewed what happened there as like, I grieve how we were treated. I grieve how we were pushed out of this role and that we had to move back to Cincinnati and go through this humiliating experience. For a long time, I viewed the situation as that. But it wasn't until recently that I really had to sit down and think, you know what? You know what I didn't grieve? I didn't grieve my complicity and not being a person of peace in that situation. It wasn't until recently that I started to grieve that. Because sometimes, even when we are wronged by others, we can still contribute to the wrong that they're doing by also doing wrong. It doesn't negate the fact that people do wrong things to us, but if we don't have the humility to acknowledge our part in not bringing peace, if we're not grieving that too, it's a pretty self-centered move. And it's not like Christ. So I'm going to be vulnerable with you and ask that you pray with me as I reach back out to these folks this week and seek some reconciliation. I'm just going to ask for your prayers for that. As a preacher, as a minister, as a brother in Christ, I, I covet your prayers as I seek to be reconciled to fellow Christians. And beyond that, I also want to extend an invitation to everybody in this room. You're going to have a chance here soon to uh, respond again, to write down some things that you're processing with God to make your own psalm of lament. But what I ask and invite you to is that you consider this. Instead of just grieving the world around me, is it possible that I can grieve something within myself that I haven't addressed? Is it possible that I've wronged somebody and I need to take Jesus at his word seriously that we are participating in the ministry of reconciliation? So, uh, do we have a format to put on the screen? Nope. But you do have one in front of you on your chair. So what we're going to do, if you just consider with me, you are going to be able to acknowledge the woes and the difficulties of life. 
you're going to see a chance to name some very specific things in your life that you're lamenting. In that part, I want to invite you very intentionally to consider what within me do I need to lament? Please don't hear me wrong. I'm not asking you to just be in a mode of self-defeat. That's not it. I certainly don't want that for you because self-defeat is not like Christ either. But self-sacrifice is like Christ. So if you have it within you just to seek, to do a little searching, and to ask, what within me do I need to give up? What am I hanging on to that I'm so prideful about that I can't let go of? I'm going to invite you to grieve that specifically. It's not an easy exercise. And in fact, I was really reluctant to even just say, like, I had a bad ministry experience. Like Kayla and I did. I was reluctant to share that, to be honest with you. Because no one wants to hear that there's issues within the kingdom of God. No one wants to hear that. No one wants to say that. I just want to invite you to be vulnerable as well. That can be just between you and God. It can also be something that you share on the, uh, on the board in the back. You can post that if you want other people to pray with you. You don't even have to write your name on it. You can draw something. You can write something. However you want to communicate that. That's for you. But I just want to invite you to grieve along with me. Because we're not perfect people. We are sinful. We do need a Savior. We absolutely do. And what I believe is that Paul was exactly right to say this. There is such a thing as a grief that leads to repentance. And that repentance leads to salvation. So I'm opening the door for you to do that today. And the last part of that format you'll notice on your paper, is you're going to have a chance to praise God for his faithfulness. He is faithful to walk with us through that grief. Because if you notice at the end of Psalm 69, it doesn't just stop with this idea that the world has no meaning or that everything is bad. You know what David does in the end? After everything he's grieving, he praises God. For the Lord listens to the needy. He does not despise his captive people. Let the heavens and the earth praise him along with the seas and everything that swims in them, for God will deliver Zion, a.k.a. his people. He will rebuild the cities of Judah. He will repair everything that's broken. His people will again live in them and possess Zion. The descendants of his servants will inherit it, and those who are loyal to him will live in it. Praise God. Take, take a few minutes now. Let's respond together. Whether you're welcome to draw something, write something, just sit and pray. We're going to take about five minutes here and do just that. Then I'll come back up and pray, and then we'll have our closing.